Hello and welcome to Amplify. Although the show is officially on a short summer break, we thought we'd share this discussion on musical life after the pandemic, which we recorded back in April as part of the Music Current Festival. The discussion, entitled Future Music, took place at the Project Arts Centre and included composer Natasha Deal, Music Current Artistic Director Fergal Dowling and Journal of Music Editor Toner Quinn. Here's CMC Director Yvonne Ferguson, who introduces and chairs the discussion. Um, you're welcome along, everybody, to this panel discussion here at the Music Current Festival. This is the seventh year of Music Current, and there's been six festivals, and so it's going from strength to strength. And Fergal has uh, brought a really great panel together this evening. Natasha Deal is a composer who will feature this evening in this evening's concert with Ensemble Garage. Toner Quinn, who is editor of the Journal of Music in Ireland and also the current chair of Music Alliance Ireland, which is a, a newly formed, well, a couple of years now, I suppose, mm -hmm. time goes quick, of music organisations and individuals and advocacy group, of which CMC is also part of. And so um, as, as per uh, history, Fergal has uh, come up with a great topic and a very relevant topic for us to, to talk through this evening. And... Um, it's, I suppose, how we're, where we're at at the moment, really. Um, we've come out of uh, the two years that I, I don't need to tell anybody about. And uh, I suppose, you know, the live music, um, the whole area of live music, we've discussed, Fergal and I, and very much it's an ecosystem. And, you know, seeing composers in a silo, performers in a silo, audiences in a silo, that's not how we're viewing everything. And amateur music makers as well as part of um, as part of this ecosystem. And all of us that work, I suppose, in administration or tech technicians to support uh, live music uh, right across Ireland and right across the world. And we will finish up in good enough time for coffees and teas and whatever uh, before the performance at eight o'clock. I'm really looking forward to hearing your piece, Natasha, um, this evening. You've just joined us, I know, from the rehearsal. Yes. Um, so I might just, or the sound check, so I might, I might start with you if you don't mind. Sure. You know, it's been such a rough um, few years and, you know, composers and performers, it's like this, the very strong link, of course, you don't just, you know, post off your score and they play it hundreds of miles away or in a different continent. There's that contact, there's that collaborative aspect. So how challenging was that um, for you over the last few years? Uh, yeah, it, it was very challenging. I'm, I am also a performer. And so I, um, I think the biggest challenge for, for me was that I stopped feeling like a musician for a number of years because I wasn't performing and I was doing a lot of teaching um, and I started feeling more associated with academia than uh, than with the performance world which is not a, not a particularly good feeling for me um, and yeah the the I mean the collab the working with performers working with ensembles or you know working with my ensemble also um, that aspect of it uh, has shifted throughout COVID, I think. Um, and it's actually, I think, one of the really positive things about COVID actually is that it has shifted everybody's priorities in ways that I think are really interesting. Um, and I have really reprioritized, I guess, that like kind of close working with ensembles that I'm, that I feel very close to, that I, you know, have good relationships with and strong relationships with, and I'm really interested with in developing work with. 
Um, and I was actually fortunate that I did get to do that with a couple groups during COVID. And it was very different because we had to deal with regulations and things. But mm. but I really actually appreciate that um, that shift in prioritization that happened for me and for a lot of people I know that kind of like put everything back in perspective and put everybody's careers back in perspective and just kind of like made us really think about what it is that we're trying to do artistically rather than just like, you know, in the rat race, like, okay, this is the next thing. This is the next thing. This is the next thing. It's like, there's nothing. Oh, <laughs> what do I want to do? <laughs> Which was actually, I, I appreciated that part of it. Well, we're, we're delighted you're here, Natasha. Is this yes. your first visit? It to, is. To Dublin, yeah. Ireland. It's Fantastic. A little, little short, but yeah. yeah. No, delighted you're here. This is what it's all about. It's an international community of contemporary music. I think that's how you see it, Fergal. Yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, um, I think I'm, I'm coming at this maybe from a number of different angles because I, I, I wear a number of different hats. I'm a composer. I, I, I like to think of myself as a composer f uh, foremost. Um, but I'm also a producer and now in, in running this festival, I uh, have a role of a promoter. So um, I, I like to see and look at the whole system from from a, mm. maybe a wider perspective than you, you might do if you were just a composer. And um, at early in, I think it was in mid 2000, uh, Toner wrote an article or published an article in the Journal yeah. of Music talking about how uh, the, the area around Spittle had had come to had, had great, gained a great kind of social life and eventually a, a kind of economic impetus from uh, just simply from some cool musicians hanging out there, and it all kind of uh, snowballed from there. And I'm also I also always think about our own productions here, or even in, in a general sense. You know, when we make a production in the in the vulgar economic sense, when somebody spends ten euro on a ticket, you also spend ten euro on taxi or mm -hmm. 10 euro in the pub and some money in a pizzeria and so on and they bring a friend and it all kind of snowballs um, and it's easy to calculate that and measure that kind of economic uh, impact so it's not just about all the technicians and all the administrators and the publicists it's all that but it's it's you know taxi drivers and bus drivers mm -hmm. and the whole as as toner described in his article the whole thing spreads out mm -hmm. into making a community come to life and it's very easy. You can actually go and calculate how much people spend on taxis and beers and whatever. But the, the how should we call it? You know, the the goodness of music that uh, its effect on society and how that spreads out is very difficult to measure and very difficult to appreciate until perhaps it's gone. In the in the example that Toner yeah. described. Mm. Toner, what impact do you think the last two years is going to have? I'm glad I'm asking the questions and not attempting to answer them. <laughs> what impact has the last two years had? On the live music. On live music. Scene. And I'm coming back to you, Fergal, because you deliberately made the decision not to go with an online version of Music Current, and I think we yeah. should come back to that. Well, two years is a long time, but I think there was one specific moment in the pandemic when something did change. Uh, I don't believe everything has changed. My relationship to co going to concerts has not changed. Um, I have been to so many concerts since the restrictions were uplifted and it hasn't changed my relationship to them. But in the first few weeks of the pandemic, something shifted in the public's, in the Irish public's relationship to musicians and artists. And this has been well documented, mm -hmm. but it's it's worth emphasizing that it didn't it didn't last for the entire two years. It was literally just in that intense 
first period of lockdown, when suddenly the country was in shock at home and musicians reached out to them online. And suddenly they had a bigger appreciation of artists. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of things have come out of that. And that is one change that we've seen. But I think in Ireland, I think we have to be very wary of the consensus that has been built up since then. Okay, that was an important moment. I'm not undervaluing it. Okay, but um, there is now this consensus that our relationship has changed with the arts. Now, we were very fortunate that the government changed. That was fortuitous. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the pandemic, the government changed. We got a new minister who had a music degree. Okay, there was a lot of fortuitous things happened. But if we're talking about big, big changes that have happened, we have to be wary about this consensus. Now, I hear this consensus now that our relationship in Irish society has changed. We're valuing artists more. We appreciate music more. I hear it in the new RTE slogan, supporting the arts, supporting artists, supporting us. I appreciate the sentiment. Okay, but what actually did happen in the pandemic, I think, was something sped up, which was people's relationship to at home entertainment. People became entire, extremely dependent on streaming services. Okay, people who were reclusive became more reclusive, as far as I can see. And what does this mean now? I think definitely for the music community, I think definitely in this post-pandemic period, there is an opportunity because whether it's real or not, the consensus is that our relationship to music and art has changed in Irish society because of the pandemic. Whether that's real or not, there's a moment for the music community to actually try and do something about it and actually try and create some more substantial discussion about music in this country. Speaking of concerts online, Virgil, because we've had we had a fair few chats about this, mm. you and I, lengthy mm. chats um, about you know what what might happen for music current um, in and you know you decided to kind of postpone things and push things out, and you had a festival last November, um, and now we're we're here for the last few days, which is which has been great. You, you took that you took that artistic decision. I would call that an artistic decision not to look for an online version, not to explore. Well, not you did explore it and discuss it, but not to go with uh, a music current online version. Yes, well, um, I, I mean, I did. It's not something we ever set out to do. It was never in our plans, and I didn't see why we should change our plans based on somebody else's decision. Um, and uh, I appreciate what Toner said as well, that it led to uh, a reconsideration or a change in the consensus, or at least a, an apparent change in the consensus of uh, how audiences valued live music. I think live music is something else. Um, and I compared it to, I think it's a ritual. It's an important ritual, a meaningful ritual. And I don't mean that in a cheesy throwaway metaphor. I think if you, when you bury a, a, someone's body, you don't do it on your own. If you, well, some people do don't know, but you're a gangster getting rid of evidence. <laughs> and when you, when you marry somebody, you can't marry somebody in a room with just the two people. Mm-hmm. It cannot be done. Rituals cannot take place like that. And the witnesses to those rituals are not simply witnesses. They have to be there. If we have a concert in a room on our own, we're might as well be burying a body or pretending that we got married because it's the ritual hasn't happened without the witnesses. So it's and it's important. It's absolutely essential that we don't lose these rituals. These are the people gathering to make 
the air vibrating a funny way is probably the oldest ritual we have as humans. It goes back to the first people. But we, uh, extraordinarily, in the whole history of all humanity, this is the first time that this ritual has been, that someone has attempted, I say someone, that it has been attempted to stop this ritual across the whole planet. And I, I'm, I know this, there's public health reasons for this. Mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. And I, I, I remind everybody that even when we had the absurd regulations that you could go to a pub in Ireland if <laughs> the pub sold food and if the food cost yeah. more than nine euro and if the food had been prepared in a kitchen on the premises, you could have so many people so many meters apart, but none of those people could be a musician making sound. I think it's beautifully put what you've said about the ritual um, and, you know, we're, we're musicians here and, and we're audience here as well. And would you, what, what are your thoughts on, on that, Tony, the, the, the audience relationship, the, the, the audience in the room? You brought me back to August 2021 when all this was going on, actually. And it just reminds me and it kind of reminds me that actually, yes, that's correct. Our relationship didn't really change to music because we completely undervalued musicians that summer when you could do anything, but you couldn't play music. And, um, you know, at the time I wrote an article, I was actually spending time in London at, at that time and I was watching it from afar. And, um, and I realized that the reason that Ireland did not uh, allow musicians to do things is because of this relationship we have with music. I keep coming back to it, but I've been writing about it for 20 years and it seems to constantly, uh, uh, um, there seems to be something, something to it. But, um, you know, we didn't value, we didn't allow musicians out because unless music can achieve something in terms of the great nationalist project that Ireland is on, unless musicians are contributing to that, then they don't really have a value. Music on its own does not have a value. It, on a national stage, it needs to be contributing to the national project that Ireland is on. Including you know? the economic national project? It's all is part it? of the one project. It's all yeah. part of the one project, all down to our historic wounding that we're still reeling from hundreds our of years post -colonial later. Post-colonial. Post-colonial, we're still stuff. trying to heal all these wounds, find some kind of healing. And that's the journey we're on. And artists, unless they're contributing to that, doesn't really make sense to society. It doesn't make sense to our Irish society. We are so wrapped up with our, our wounded history, our nationalist kind of um, revolution, and spinning out from that, it's very difficult for us to think in music, um, think of music in other terms. That's the kind of thing we're grappling with all the time. And that's what I saw, you know, last yeah. summer when the pandemic hit and Ireland didn't know what to do with musicians, mm -hmm. you know, unless they were, you know, um, if they can't be at the graveside, well, then what's the point in them? Can I just come back to one thing, you know, in terms of the online audiences and you know, is there talking about people who are maybe, you know, happy enough now with the online situations and concerts? I mean, is there a reluctance to pay for concert tickets, do you think, in general, by, by the American public now, <coughs> post-COVID? Well, is there the kind of attitude, well, I got XYZ for free online? I, I mean, this whole conversation makes me think about uh, just the economics of the music industry and specifically the recorded music industry and how 
it just doesn't function within a capitalistic society. Uh, and it doesn't make any sense to try to, um, you know, we're like, people are all up in arms about Spotify, you know, not paying the streaming musicians enough. It's like, well, I mean, that is not a solution. And recorded music has never been, has never been an economic solution for musicians to make money. And that's, I think that's actually the primary problem here. It's not so much that people don't value music. It's that there's not an, there's not an, like a, mm, an analog for the value of music in, in, in economic, uh, like terms because it doesn't make sense to sell something that you can make infinite copies of. And so people are trying to do this thing with NFTs where they're like, oh, they assign value to one copy of something, but it's totally meaningless in the same way that a, an individual work of art is, you know, has been assigned a value and, and has been deemed worth, you know, $3 million because somebody made a unique copy, even though you can get somebody to make exactly the same work of art. And you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but that work, work of art is worthless, where this other one is worth $3 million. So I don't really, I don't actually think people don't care about music. I think that we, they haven't been, like, we don't have a way to talk about the worth of music that's not an economic worth. And so we don't, we're not able to digest those things. And I mean, I agree that we, that musicians were the first to get shut down and the last to come back. And that's... I mean, I think that's wrapped up in, in the economy of it all. Like we just, there's not a currently a method for this kind of artistic work that doesn't have an, uh, a, dollar, a dollar amount to exchange it for in, our, in, our, in the current capitalistic you know, way of thinking. Tor, you look like you'd like to respond to that. Oh, you know, it's something I think about a lot. We are in an economic system. We are in an economic mm -hmm. system a really, really powerful economic mm -hmm. system um, that does not fit, you know, us as humans, really. You know, it's limited. It's extremely limited. Um, is it coming to an end, given the crash 10 years ago and then the pandemic? You know, if you read the, the political commentators, they reckon that this is the sort of the last few strokes of this economic system, but it's extremely powerful. And um, that is why, you know, one thing I want to mention there, I don't, I'm sure I sounded pessimistic there, but actually I think I do feel optimistic to a certain extent because this economic system is under so much pressure at the moment and that I think the pandemic did bring us together as a music community. And I do feel that, you know, you mentioned earlier on that I'm involved in the Music Alliance of Ireland, as are you. And I do feel that uh, something has shifted in the music community in that we sense there's an opportunity here to actually try and make some ground here, mm -hmm. to try and address some of these issues, to try and put values into society that do value music, that's outside this economic system, that we can actually do our own little bit of chipping away at this economic system, which is hopefully dying, you know. Um, but it's not going to die without a fight, mm -hmm. you know, and I think the music community really does. That's why I think the public discourse around music is so important, where we can actually interject some of the values that, you know, Natasha and Fergal have been talking about here. And uh, so I actually do feel there's a moment of opportunity here for the music community. And that's the positive side of all of this. Toner Quinn ending that discussion recorded at the Music Current Festival. I'm Jonathan Grimes, and you've been listening to a special episode of Amplify. We'll be back with more episodes in September, 
Until then, thanks for listening.